0: Jews who re- revered uh, Moses so much. And he, and they should revere Moses. Moses was the meekest of all men. He was a great man. God let, raised him up, made him a great man. You're not a great man unless God makes you a great man. <laughs> you're not a self-made man. You're a God-made person, or if you're anything at all, God has to do it. So God brought, raised up Moses a nobody and uh, to eventually be a somebody who thought he was a nobody. And so here Moses, is one of, by the way, two major people of the Old Testament, you probably know who they are, Abraham, Moses. But of those, I would have to say Moses is maybe the greatest figure of the Old Testament. And so you can imagine a Hebrew getting saved, and basically the age of grace coming in, the law being fulfilled. He's being told the law is fulfilled. The sacrifices are done. The dietary laws are done. The being peculiar nation. It's over. You don't need any of that anymore. You don't need to wear your beard a certain way and not cut the edges of it. You don't need to do any of that. We're all one in Christ. Read Romans chapter 1. There's neither Greek nor Jew. There's nobody. Hey, we're just all one in Christ now. And that was hard. You imagine that was hard for them. I've led some Roman Catholic people to Christ, and they they get it that now I don't go back to the Roman Catholic Church. They were going to let me go to hell because they were trying to tell me I had to be saved by works. And the Bible says you cannot be saved by works. You know that. So many places. You're saved by faith or you're not saved at all. You're saved by grace or you're not saved at all. So by grace am I saved through faith that not of myself is the gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. There's going to be no bragging in heaven. Why? Because we're not saved by works. If we were saved by works, there'd be a bunch of bragging going on. You know, it'd be like it'd be like Brady and the Brady bunch. It'd be like Tampa Bay. Tom, never mind. But anyway, uh, it, it, you know, I'd be like, you're like, "Woo, we did it! We did it!" You're not going to heaven. And say, "We did it." We're gonna say, "You're gonna go say Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe." Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. Ooh, I'm happy today. I'm happy. Happy to be saved today. Hmm. Okay, so here we go. We're going in the section here, we go back to Hebrews, oh, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 11, of course, is the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith. And then Hebrews chapter 12 talks about as children were chastised. Now, that part we haven't been over. That's the first 13 verses. Nobody in this room as a born-again believer, uh, escapes chastisement. To whom lo- the whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son he receiveth. You look up the words. You look up the words. See, tell me how you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Oh, my wife, when I dated her, I, I asked her, some, we tried to talk. It's good to talk before you get married. So I said to her, I said, have you ever been spanked? She said, no, I've never been spanked. Now, that, that almost spooked me. You know, I thought a woman hadn't been spanked. I mean, so I got to do it? That's male chauvinism. Boy, that's good. Okay, I said, no, I said, not spanked. How could you possibly go through life without getting spanked? I'd been spanked every other day, sometimes twice on a day. I went to school. The, one, the person I knew in elementary school, my my person I knew me the most was the principal. He was about six foot two, had a flat top. You know what I'm talking about? And man, he said, "Okay, over the get over the desk." That was one of them two three inch tops. And we'd grab the other side, and he'd take that two inch thick paddle, and boom, and the desk was scooted about a half inch. Boom, boom, boom. It only hit you three times, but man, you were lit up. And I, I used to, did. I go home and tell my mom, "Hey, they—they're abusing me at school. They spank me." Are you kidding? If I'd have told my mom and dad, they'd have took me and whipped me too. I didn't breathe. I got a spanking. And I—I I, how was the was day today good. How'd you do at school? Fine. Everything go well? Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Chris, it's the same thing. You guys didn't come home saying I got in trouble at school. mm Everything was good at school. Now, once in a rare while, I was so bad in school, they called my mom and dad. That was when we had a party line. You young people don't know what a party line is, but a party line is when you pick up, somebody else be talking on your phone so you could listen in. i got to get back to the Bible here. Okay. Here it is. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. That presents a problem. What is that problem? Where do you get holiness? It's got to be imputed. Holiness, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none understanding, none that seeketh after God, all gone astray. Where do you get holiness? Without holiness. Isn't that pretty, pretty straight up and down there without holiness? You're not going to see the Lord. Let me put this up on the screen. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So it has to be imputed. They call it imputed righteousness. When I trusted Christ, it's simple childlike faith, and that's what it takes. By the way, don't try to make it too tough. The Bible says, uh, Bob says a lot of good stuff says so if you believe, right, believe, believe. I believe, help thou my unbelief. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was enough for Peter. Now, he hadn't been crucified yet, so you have to add on to that. I believe Christ, the Son of the living God, that died, buried, and resurrected. You cannot be saved. You will not go to heaven without believing Jesus was resurrected. Get it? And get it real good, because that's one foundational truth of the bible that you cannot shake around on don't get fuzzy on me oh he was swooned or oh he no he died he is dead and i believe he went down to hades and pulled out those people on paradise side and took them to heaven with him and uh he preached to the other ones by the way that were there but anyway. He's resurrected, physically, visibly, bodily resurrected. Do you all believe that today? Say amen. Yeah, amen. I hope you say that when, G- when you see Jesus. I believe you were resurrected. I believe it. So resurrection is important. You've got to know that. And when you believe that, God births you. That's called the new birth, right? Being born again. You're not being born again. So what is the new birth? Part of the new birth is receiving the Holy Spirit. If you don't receive the Holy Spirit, you're not of God. Romans chapter 8. He that has not the Spirit of God is none of his. So you have to have the Spirit of God. So you get birth, he gives you the Spirit of God. And guess who the Spirit of God is? God. Who's holy? God. So God comes in me in pure holiness. And then he begins to try to make me like him, right? That's my life. What is my whole life made up of is becoming more like Jesus. More like Jesus would I be. More of his love and mercy see. If that isn't a verse, it should have been. But, uh, it, it, I, and, and so I become, so, if I claim any holiness, God gave it to me. Now, I got to want to be be holy for I am holy is both a Levitical, that's in Leviticus, and it's reiterated again in Peter. So it's both Old Testament and New Testament because no man see the Lord unless he's right here. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I want to see him. So what about verse 15? Looking, looking is a continual, constant, present, linear. Keep at it. Looking diligently lest any man fail with the grace of God. that means you can it wouldn't warn you if it's not possible now I'm not talking about losing your salvation I don't think that's possible I've looked at that real hard real long without any motivation either direction and I can, I mean you may be convinced otherwise and, and and it'd be fine it's fine with me you believe you lose salvation I'm not really have a problem with that because you're not gonna be able to so anyway it's okay, but if it makes you live more holy, I hope it does. But I don't think it does. I don't think it does. But if you think it does, well, God bless you, do it. But I just looked at it as carefully as I know how to look at it, and I believe once saved, always saved. That doesn't give you a license to sin or you're not saved. People that are born from above don't want to sin, really, but once in a while do you act ugly. It's Valentine's Day. I act ugly sometimes. My wife's not in here. She's teaching Sunday school. Glory to God. Oh. <laughs> Tom Gillespie's seen me act ugly. I'm ashamed of it. Kathy's seen me act ugly a lot. I'm ashamed of it. I'm ashamed of myself. That's not who I want to be. and It's not what I want to be. But I can't tell you that there hasn't been once in a while I haven't failed of the grace of God. I haven't claimed the grace of God. I haven't lived through the grace of God. Because if you walk in the flesh, what do you do? You sin. But If you walk in the spirit, what do you do? You don't sin. You have holiness. So our life... Romans chapter 7, you've read it before, hopefully. If not, go ahead and read it. Romans chapter 7 talks about what I'm talking about, this dualism, this battle, the spirit against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Um, He said, finally, at the end of the thing, you know, Paul's so frustrated about this whole thing. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who should deliver me from the body of this death? That's kind of the frustration of it all. Man, someday I get delivered, and it's not going to be through... It's not actually going to be in this life that you're going to be totally delivered from that. You're not going to get delivered from that war until you die. That's why you're never going to want to come back. Bill Sikora will never want to come back to gospel in the way he left. He wants to come back at the time that God brings him back. Amen. Nobody that's gone from us would want to come back here. Nobody. Chris wouldn't want to come back. Gene wouldn't want to come back. They'd say, you come to me, but I'm not going to you. Why in the world would you want to come back into this war? I'm in a war. By the way, that war makes it where you're not at rest. As a Christian, can you really relax? You got to stay on guard. You got to keep you got to be on guard. So, he says there let's uh, looking diligent lest any, any man fail the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many thereby many be defiled. Now I got to stop here for a second. Maybe the most destru- destructive and common sin among born-again believers is this thing called root of bitterness. You'll hear a lot of preaching on it. I'll preach on it here and there and on. Other people preach on it. Why? Because it'll ruin every good thing you ever had and ever touched. Did you get that? That bitterness, here's what's crazy about it. It feels good. It feels good to be bitter. That no good, I hope he dies a slow, miserable death. I hope he gets some wasting away disease and and gets down to a skeleton and then has a truck run over him. I can unequivocally tell you uh, divorce, number one cause of divorce, number one bitterness number one immorality is bad but immorality often leads to bitterness unfaithfulness of a mate does what to the other mate makes her bitter actual unfaithfulness doesn't really change anything other than they betrayed their promise and that's bad no that's bad but if when you get bitter is what's the coup de grace it's the denouement it's the end of the story it's it's when if you get bitter, there's no hope anymore. What is bitterness? It's unforgiving spirit. So, how do you overcome bitterness? Forgive. Oh, well, that's easy to say. It's a whole lot harder to do. But it's not so hard to do if you keep, if you remember how much you've been forgiven. The problem with us is we want to think about how much we've been forgiven about a minute and we want to think about how much people have wronged us the rest of the time but the truth is you need to spend a whole bunch of time thinking how much you've been forgiven and that'll give you a spirit of gratitude and then that'll undo and diffuse the bitterness and i got to stop there's a lot of good stuff there but he says if you if you're bitter You'll never keep the damage to yourself. There's collateral damage. There's always collateral damage with bitterness. Bitterness will affect your family. It'll affect your neighbors. It'll affect the people you work with. It'll affect your church. A lot of divisions in churches simply are just uh, uh, outpouring of bitterness. It's just people are bitter and never got over it, and they go to church and they're bitter, and people do something to them at church. Remember, bitterness is... uh, it transfers, transfers. Example, a person's married, gets bitter at their spouse, and they get divorced. They find a new person that they have nothing against because they don't know him. And so they're happy with him. They said, I've been happier with you than I've ever been with any man. So this woman marries another man. She's so happy. Problem is, she don't know him. But about 10 years from there, she divorces that guy because he's a no-good, low-life, bottom-feeding scum. Is that good enough? Ah, uh, and he's got all these rotten, no good problems. Why did what ruined that second marriage was the first marriage? She never got over the bitterness on the first marriage. She just carried that bitterness, that spirit of bitterness, over to the second marriage. And that second marriage, it's, it, it, it'll defile. Look at that. Many be defiled. Well, if if if. if I'm supposed to be teaching, but I think I'm into preaching. I, you know, forgive me about that. I'm, I need to be, te- I go back to teaching. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who went from one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Esau was not willing to endure any suffering or pain for the privilege of his birthright. You've been born from above. You have a birthright. Are you willing to suffer for it? Or are you going to be like Esau? In the first sight of trouble you'll bail the first sight of suffering you bail i'm willing to suffer as a christian are you bible says endure hardness as a good soldier jesus christ i believe it's second timothy chapter 2 verse 3 endure hardness that's a tough word you look it up i i think we got some hard things as born again believers facing us we got some hard things already many of you've already been through hard things because of jesus and because of salvation and I've lost jobs for being a Christian. Lest there be a fornicator, a profane person, as Esau, who, when one morsel meat, sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have in- inherited a blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully. With tears. I have them in my notes here, certain things you cannot undo. I would love to be able to undo certain things in my life. God don't let you go back, you don't get to go back. Some of you people have been divorced a couple times, three times, maybe four times. And you get born again along the way somewhere in that mix. You say, boy, I'd like to go back and heal that thing. I've heard it. I've heard people talk about it. I'd like to go back back and heal it. Well, sometimes people are already dead. You can't go back and heal it. It's over. Seek it carefully with tears, and you cannot find it. So I like Brother Tom Gillespie's little statement, which I don't think is original with him, but if it is, God, I'm giving you credit. Keep a short list. Tom will say, keep a short list. You know, when somebody wrongs you, get right with them, amen? I got upset with Ritter's office and made money crazy in there. I had to go back and make, get right, go back I'm in the process of making it right with them. Um, I got to keep a short list, amen? Keep a short list. Don't do it now. So i just going to say, people say, well, God, I've had people tell me, well, I'm going to go out and be immoral because I know I can just ask Jesus, forgive me, and he'll forgive me. And I'm like, whoa. That's just the whole wrong spirit. That's just not the spirit. right? You, not only are you wrong about that, but you're wrong about the whole spirit of the thing. God may let you get HIV. And that's going to be lifelong consequences turned into AIDS eventually take you out. Huh? Somebody told me, some doctor told me one time that all this HIPAA stuff, don't you, everybody hates HIPAA, say amen, amen. You can find out anything you want to know about me. I'll give you my records. But I am so tired of signing releases, 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 releases. HIPAA. Somebody told me that's because of the HIV deal. The HIV and AIDS deal. That all started around the HIV because they didn't want to know People with AIDS and people with HIV don't want you to know it. Well, I want to know it. You know, I think it's right. Let me say it. I got some contagious. I got COVID. I know it. Do you want to know it? You do now. In other words, I don't have COVID. But if I had COVID, I owe it to you not to. I owe it to you, not first of all, not to be around you. Right? Not to shake hands, hug, here, you want to share my pop, right? But I mean, whether, you know, I I would think if you had something bad, people should be able to know it. I don't know. That's just my two cents on it. Obviously, nobody cares what I think about it, and it's not going to happen. So anyway, I go on. I'm past HIPAA. 18 through 21, I'm going to stop here in three minutes. So here we go. Remember how hard Israel had it. So from here, from verse 18 to 29 in this chapter, he goes through real three major areas. He does a comparison on how hard Moses and Israel had it. Remember, he's talking to Hebrew Christians. And then in verse 22 to 24, he gives a description of the privileges we as born-again believers have. And then in verses 25 to 29, he reiterates a warning to pay attention to the Word of God, to listen. Because our God, he ends with verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. That's the last verse. So if our God is a consuming fire, what's that mean? You give Him your life, He'll consume you. And what will come out of that will be some heat, something good. In other words, God will take your life and make something good come out of it. If you keep your life, you're like, a, you're like a log, right, a split log. And if a split log lays over, lays over on the ground over there, in other words, the people that are not willing to give themselves to Jesus, the consuming fire, you're not willing to be thrown into the fire. You're not willing to give God your life. So you'll sit over there, termites will end up eat you, and eventually you'll rot and be dust, and you'll have done no one any good. But if you're willing to give God your life and say, Here am I, Lord, send me. Yeah, I'll take, then God will take you and he'll put you in his fire. And yes, that fire will, will, will burn out some of that dross. And yes, there'll be some impurities taken out. But in the end of it all, something good's going to come out of your life. Something lasting's going to come out of your life. Something eternal's coming out of you. Every one of you, by the way, every one of you. God wants you, but he won't take you. He'll ask for you. You give, and many of you already, of course, are there. Past, some of you are already almost out of the fire already, are getting ready to go to heaven. You've given your life to him. So that's where we're at on chapter 12. And uh, now in chapter 13 next week. Oh, how'd you like to, how fast I did in the last verses? I didn't want to, but I got to do it. Uh, chapter 13 next week, and I will be teaching next week again, Lord willing, it'll be good. I hope you come. Why? Because the Bible's good. I put a sign out years ago called Preaching Knock Your Socks Off. Dr. Wendell Heller, Dr. Wendell Heller came to me. He's such a gentleman. And Wendell said, you know, you know, preacher, I, I think that's a little egotistical. I said, really? He said, that just, that's just a little egotistical. He said, that bothers me. I said, it does. I said, but preacher, look at it this way. Do You preach the Bible. He said, I preach the Bible my whole life. I said, is there anything in the world that will knock your socks off more than the Bible? He said, no. I said, that's what I'm saying. Preaching. I could put on their Bible preaching. Or I could put on preaching that will knock your socks off because they're both true. Preach the Bible, it will knock your socks off. Bible preaching will knock your socks off. Either way you put it. So anyway, I waited till he moved up to Sarasota and I put it back out there. I wouldn't hurt the guy for a million bucks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the few minutes together. Thank you for Jesus. And we trust you. That's what we're doing. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 1285. Thank you and God bless.